1: I'd like to begin this podcast by recognising the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present and those emerging. This episode of the podcast does uh, contain some very uh, heavy themes in the podcast. uh, There is talk of drug use, there is talk of uh, suicide in there as well. So look, if you want to skip over this episode... And go to another one, completely understand that. But just wanted to give you the heads up before we get into this week's episode with Greg Fleet. Yeah. And we've got a headphones there if you want headphones. You, can put uh, them on, but you don't have to. I don't
0: know. I've sort of... Yeah, whatever. Uh, as long as, you know, you you tell me that it's... Oh, you've got yours on. Yeah, no,
1: you don't have to. If you don't want to put them on. I feel like you have to
0: now. Yeah, because you have... Uh... <laughs> you get
1: jealous of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, everybody, welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I ask fascinating people key milestones that made them who they are today. And I've had a few people on that I don't really know that well, but this person is probably one of the closest people to me, even though we've drifted apart over the last few years. (laughs) It is the wonderful comedian, author, actor, writer... Mm. Broadcaster. <laughs> riverboat dandy. Great yes. great. Yeah. I, I think Riverboat know. Dandy would be the number one thing you'd yeah, want me to say.
0: Yeah. Um I oh, don't say we've drifted apart. We well we have Physically <laughs> we have. Yeah. Yeah. COVID. heard well, of it? Yeah. Ever heard of it? Yeah, that <laughs> can that come between us. But
1: we also we also did a comedy festival show that I guess kind of was, was, <laughs> Just was destroyed was, us. Yeah, it would destroy <laughs> us. So, you know, I think I think that's probably one of the reasons we haven't, you know, chatted as much recently.
0: Oh, uh, that was what, four or five years four ago? Four or five
1: years ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well, it's amazing how time has gone. Though. Like I, I yeah. was, I was, had, I told you, I had dinner with Rose Hammond and um, yeah, and Tony Martin and and uh, Serena, and Roz said to me that we had not seen each other in six years. Really, I, I could not believe it. Like that six sounds years, insane. six years. I know, and I would have said, you know, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that whole that whole period of COVID really. Through everyone's timing and everything out. Yeah, there absolutely. Yeah. So but we're going to, well, I'm going to make an effort to see you more now. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. to yeah, yeah. we'll
1: do dinner at craze. That's, we'll crazed, do, crazed, that's behavior. A crazed behavior. Crazed <laughs> behavior. Now, Flea, I like to start this podcast by asking a question I always think is a simple question, but it's absolutely not a simple question. The question is Do you think that nature or nurture has had the greatest impact on your life?
0: Um, oh, I guess i I'd, I'd I'd say nature. Yeah, right. I mean, but then again, you know, you, when you say nurture, you tend to think of that as positive. Yeah. I, I guess nurture really just means any influence, doesn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, yeah. So it could be negative stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So as much as I want it to be um, nature, it's probably, it's probably nurture. Yeah, right. If you think about the drugs and the, you know, even stand-up comedy and stuff like that, that's an outside influence. It's not really... Yeah. You know. But, um, uh no, but I would. I'd still say nature. I think. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's just you know the way. It's it's hard to know exactly what each one is nature. Yeah, and nurture, exactly. But, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. You. So you grew up in America, or you were you were born in America?
0: Born, born in America. You know that song that doesn't exist. <laughs> born in America. <laughs> it's One
1: of
2: my
0: favourites. Oh, songs me too. Exist. Yeah. Born in America by Rocky Rocky Teeth and then Mensons. <laughs> The Mensons. One of my favourite bands. The Mensons, the Mensons are so good. good. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I like the Mensons. Oh, the Mensons are great. Um, yeah, Now uh, I was born in America and came to Australia when I was four. four. You know what? I'll tell you, here's something in nature, mm. I have this thing and I've, I lie about it all the time where I know that I came to Australia when I was four yeah. and I tell people I came to Australia when I was five why do I tell that lie? It's one year old. Yeah, I know. It's somehow, you're more mature then. <laughs> I know. But also, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no know? one's going to pull
1: you up on it either.
0: Yeah, it's not like, I mean, you know, if you said, you know, if you actually came from China and you're pretending you came from America, maybe there's a reason to tell that lie. I don't know what it is. but yeah. But saying, you know, yeah, I came here when I was... Five years old. I'll <laughs> oh, never know. I God was really four. Really <laughs> I really got him a ripper. <laughs> For no reason yeah. at all. There's
1: a few fleets that moved over. So you had, you know, you had siblings. Were, were they all, or, or were, were any of your sisters like born in Australia?
0: Yeah, my younger one was. Yeah, my right. sister yeah. Was born here. My older sister was born in a Medicare. She's two years older than me. So she was um, seven when she moved over. Yeah, she was <laughs> seven, possibly six. It's hard. It's hard to know. Depends who you're asking. Yeah. Um, do you remember America
1: at all? Like yeah, do you have memories of? Yeah. Growing yeah. Up not.
0: Like... You know. Not. <laughs> I, I, it looked like it does on a map. Weirdly enough. <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I um, I do remember a couple of like playing with our dog uh, in the snow yep. around our house, and we used to do this thing where. If you jumped off our balcony, oh, not a balcony, our, like front steps, the snow was up to, like, my shoulders. You right. Know, it didn't snow that much. So we used to jump off and then dig tunnels through the snow underneath, and then we'd sort of have like a room almost, you know, like dig out a, a room and we'd be under there waiting Yeah. and you'd see the dog's feet coming through the roof as, right. it, as it was walking and we'd grab the dog's feet and just pull down and collapse the structure upon us all. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, that's how I grew to love dogs so that's much. such a
1: funny memory though, I to have know. that just pop in.
0: Collapsing dog. <laughs> um,
1: but you moved to, so your dad got a job, so he was working for the Ford Motor Company. Yeah, he
0: finally got a job. Yeah. <laughs> he was just a drinker and a fighter. No. Yeah, he yeah. Um, he worked for Ford. Uh, was he
1: early a, days? Was he a was he a big
2: drinker?
0: Not never, not never yeah, in no. his life. Um, and nor Nora, you know, sort of yeah, not not a drinker. He was a philanderer. Yeah, that was his addiction was sex with random ladies. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we came here in 1967. Which now another thing, he got offered a job. He, yeah. he worked for Ford and yeah. as a designer, and he got offered an overseas posting, I think he got offered a couple of places, like South Africa, Australia, and maybe Canada. But you know, Canada was literally like twenty miles away, it yeah, was across the lake, yeah, in, yeah, Canada from Michigan. So that wasn't very exotic. Um, but they chose Australia. But I've always known my my parents were kind of right wing, and um, not you know, they, look, they weren't outwardly racist, but. I think they were underneath, you know, there was a bit of racism going right. on there. And, um, I didn't realise this till much later, but the year we left Michigan, the year we left Detroit, was 1967, which was the year that, um, that, uh, black people had a massive, like, riot, you know, like, kind of just went, we're not taking this anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there was a, a huge riot in Detroit, and I think that was part of the reason my parents left, and, uh. You know, and weirdly, you know, wanted to come to a country where the black people had no power. Yeah, you know, yeah. Disenfranchised. And, yeah. Um,
1: and you moved, to, you moved to Geelong.
0: Geelong, yeah. You know, like going from, you know, the home of rock and roll and, and cars, you know, like yeah. going from uh, Detroit, you know, to Geelong was kind of a bit of a weird thing. But, Do you think um, it was a culture shock for them? It must have been, but... Then again, they were probably imagining it even more so. Like you know, people back then, anyone from overseas imagined Australia as like literally kangaroos on the main streets yeah. and all that. And we lived in Ocean Grove, so it was a bit country. It was a lot more country than it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we lived, you know, on the coast, you know, on the Beautiful beach. There. It was, yeah, it was pretty yeah. nice. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was certainly a big change from. Urban Detroit. Yeah, you
1: know. yeah. And so, what are your earliest memories of being in Geelong? Do you, like in Ocean Grove, do you have any early memories there? Was there any dogs that you were
2: collapsing?
0: Down collapsing on? dogs in, <laughs> yeah, we had to do it with sand, though, instead of snow. Um, but uh, one thing I do remember in America as well was riding my tricycle along the, the footpath at the front of our house and looking up at the sky and just being almost overcome by how huge it was. Right, yeah. I do remember this feeling of just how vast the sky was. Yeah. Just going, oh, my God, that's massive. Yeah. So uh, I remember that. And also I remember, although not very well, one day we had a swimming pool and jumping into the swimming pool, apparently, and just going down to the bottom and just lying on the bottom of the swimming pool just going, this is ace. And after a while my uncle or someone, there was a party going on my uncle saw me and jumped in and got me out, but apparently I was, I was just going the gentle drown, just because
1: you were enjoying just it, just casual it was pretty cool,
0: casual drowning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, okay. So we got to Australia. Um, yeah, I remember my sister and I hung out a lot together. We played a lot.
1: What, what's that? Were you similar? You um, were your sister.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, we we were pretty close. We didn't hate each other. Um, you know, we went through odd periods. I guess where. She had her friends, and she was like, you know, oh, no, Greg, stop hanging out. On, you know the yeah, girls yeah, and yeah. all that. But, um, but we did we we did hang out together a lot. We played these two characters. We still talk about this. And she's sixty two, and I'm sixty. We played this characters called Tom and Susan. Right. And Tom and Susan were they started out pretty basic, but then as we got older, so you know, by the time I was like five and she was seven, or whatever those ages mean. <laughs> Um, What is age, really? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, They became like a soap opera and they would go on adventures, they'd be solving crimes, and in the end we killed them.
2: Wow. We actually
0: killed them off. I remember I got killed on a, I was on a cruise ship because we'd been on a couple of cruises. Yeah. Um, I was actually on a cruise ship and I got shot with a, I was in an archery competition and someone shot me with a bow and arrow, you know, in through the target of the archery thing or whatever,
1: I guess that serves you right for killing Daphne or neighbours. Well, it was, I didn't yeah. do that till later. Yeah.
0: Believe it or not, right. they they had a thing where they wouldn't let five year olds, five stroke four year olds, kill anyone on neighbours. Um, yeah, I remember you know playing with her in the, around Houghton Grove. We had all these different places. There was a place called Pounding Place. We had these secret you know locations, um, and. Yeah, and you know we had dogs, and we just you know we didn't we didn't collapse the world upon them. Yeah, but we uh you know we had we had a good time, and it was it was a you know it was a good place to grow up, I guess. Um,
1: yeah. How know. long did your parents stay together when you were when you first moved?
0: Um, they were to get, well, I mean most people who are listening to this will probably know the story of my father, and if not, um, get hold of my book. These things happen, and it, it explains it all in there. But basically, my father ended up faking his own death and it's a long story so i won't go into it here but it, it's an amazing story but um we thought he was dead for a number of years and he can you tell that off... story
1: a little bit like can you do even if you want to do an abridged version of that story <laughs> okay. people that um, haven't heard that story
0: all right so um he was sleeping with heaps of people my parents you know went wedding my parents marriage was not great but then one day um he committed suicide supposedly mm. and uh
1: your thought that he was dead. Your yeah, yeah. Dead,
0: yeah. He left a note and uh, his solicitor, and he left his car and a pier. It was all very serious, and yeah, so it was all very sad. And um, well, of course, your mourning. Yeah, we yeah, heartbroken, and yeah, and you know, for a couple of years, and uh, and then one day somebody saw him working at a real estate agency in Frankston. Now. I know that working at a real estate agency in Frankston is like being dead, but it's not exactly the same. For boom, bow, kid you kid You, <laughs> you can tell to I've that told that joke <laughs> yeah. so many times. You in the eyes. <laughs> I've lost that. all passion for <laughs> dead in the eyes. But, um, I mean, he didn't
1: even move that far away, which is bizarre. I, I know, it was stupid. Yeah, um, and he had a second family.
0: Yeah, he'd, he'd remarried under a false name, yep. under a different name, started a family, uh, just an absolute lunatic. You, a
1: few years ago, told me that you were doing a show in Brisbane, and someone that yeah yeah. So what happened there?
0: I was doing a show in Brisbane, and um, you know, as a as a comic, you know, you get a lot of people, you know, coming up to you after shows or going on social media or whatever, and saying, you know, oh, I love you, you're the best, you know, you're great, and you know, sometimes you get people saying, you know, I've had people saying, you know, you saved my marriage. That you know my yeah my husband and I were about to break up, and we went out one night and we saw you doing stand up, and afterwards we thought, God, life's worth living, and we stayed together. And I was like, well. I don't know that you can really thank me, but go on. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, this guy came up to me after a show in Brisbane and said, he he went, hi, I'm your brother. And I thought, well, I don't have a brother. And I said that. And then he went, yeah, you do. And I thought, oh, my God, I do. I've got a half-brother. And he was my father's child from that other bogus relationship. Was he like you at all? Didn't look like me at all. Yeah. But... um. He was a really nice guy. So, yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah get it? Yeah, hey? yeah. Nice guy, similar? <laughs> hey? Um He was really, really lovely. He was a really, really lovely guy. And what was really, um, really sort of lovely to see, although it made me feel guilty, was his main aim in life, you know, wasn't to be famous, wasn't to get attention. <laughs> What's wrong with him? Um, his main aim in life was to be a good father. Because, you know, obviously, having had my father, he, he you know, Decided
1: no. Was was your dad a terrible father to him? Well, he just didn't
0: exist. You know, Maybe he had he, him So he had left him. as well. Oh, he dumped them as soon as my mother found him. You know, wow. So you know, she walked into his work, and he dumped them. And then you know, eventually, of course, split up with her again. And can you
1: even imagine what that would have been like for your mum? Like oh. to build up the courage to go and talk to someone that you have mourned for. You had a you had a funeral for
0: him? No, no, never had a funeral. Yeah, oh, look, I I. And also, I wonder because I was a kid, I wonder how many people didn't believe he was dead. I wonder yeah. how many people who are adults went, you know, knew that he was dodgy and went, you know, I reckon he's faking it. Man. Yeah. Um, but look, she, the sad thing about that whole situation was um, one of my partners, we went down and visited my mum one day. This wasn't that long ago. And uh, when we were leaving, she said to me, what do you reckon your mother thinks of your father? And I said, oh, she hates him, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she said, I reckon she's still in love with him. And I was like, what? She hadn't seen him for over 20 years, you know. And she said, well, you know, she's got pictures of him everywhere. And I thought about it and I went, oh, my God, she's got a photo of him next to her bed. She's got, you know, and it had just it had been so gradual for me. I'd yeah. never gone, I'd never looked at it that way. But that's absolutely true that if, you know, they both died a couple of years ago. They both died in the same year, but... If she, if at any stage, I reckon, he had called her up from America, he was, he'd gone back to America and was in another relationship. Yeah. If he'd rung her up and said, oh, look, I, you know, I've thought about it and I want to come back and, you know, be with you and all that, I reckon she would have taken him back.
1: Did they get back together?
0: Yeah, briefly. Yeah. You know, when when she called him out. Yeah. So he got back together. I think he was just trying to avoid, a, you know, a loss.
1: Oh, my God. And He was quite charming. Like, I imagine he was a a real charmer.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He was really charming and incredibly handsome. Yeah. Like me. Um, No, he was really handsome, and uh, that was his thing. And also, he was American. So back then, in the late 60s and early 70s in Australia, in Geelong, if you're really handsome and you're from America, you were like, ooh-la-la, la, yeah, yeah. exotico. Yeah,
1: which is a famous American accent. That you yeah, a
0: very famous American yeah. accent that I do around the world when they ask me to. I always
2: <laughs> do that accent. People they, ask
0: for it. Yeah, they often do it at, the, um, at the, uh, President Biden's inauguration. They said, <laughs> would you come over and do your much-heralded and requested American accent?
1: <laughs> your much-requested. And I
0: said, certainly, so sir, I will come and do it for you. <laughs> And it just did a little bit of it free for them then. Yeah.
1: When when you do you remember seeing your dad again when you thought that he had died? Do you remember yeah. the first time you saw him?
0: Yeah, yeah. And both times I was the last one to see him because that that first time and then when he left up you know he came back and then he left again. Although he didn't, it wasn't as, as mysterious the second time. Yeah. But both times I was the last one to see him. But um, and uh, the second time it was at a train station, so it was very kind of weird Hollywood. Kind yeah. Of. Did you
1: have a relationship with him?
0: Romantic relationship? No, not really. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, briefly. Um, I remember, you know, having the classic, you know, argument when he was telling me to do something, and me going, you know, you can't tell me what to do. You, you know, you're not even my, you're not my real dad. Or yeah, that yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he. Uh, the really weird thing is he had no interest in being a father. Um, after he left. He never ever, you know, even after he left the second time, after he'd come back and everything, he never ever sent us a birthday card, uh, any money. He never helped my mother with money at all. Mm. Like she had to, she was working in, you know, had a couple of jobs. She was working in a fish and chip shop at one stage to send us to private schools, yeah. and, you know. But he never helped her, not even with ten bucks. Yeah. And I remember when I was about thirty something, he rang me up. We were on tour. In Sydney, Matt King and Marty Sheargold and I were on tour doing a show and uh, he rang me out of the blue and I was like, oh, my God, it was my father rang me. You know? And um, and he wanted money. He asked me if I, I could lend him some money. Wow. And I said, you, you don't know who I am, do you? You don't know the legend of Greg Fleet. <laughs> this goes the other way around. But, um, yeah, I was absolutely gobsmacked by
1: that. Yeah. So, at school, were you were you a fun person? Were you a creative person? Were you trying to make people laugh? What What was a young Greg Fleet like?
0: Um, yeah, uh, I, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't trying to make people laugh desperately. You know, I wasn't. Um, you know, like freaking out about it. But yeah. I did. I did make people laugh, and I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I, I liked attention and stuff. And I. I didn't. Um, I. I didn't really apply myself intellectually, which I should have done more, um, towards the end of school I did a little bit, but it was only in things I enjoyed, like English and yeah, English literature and stuff like that.
1: Did you know what you wanted to be?
0: Yeah, pretty much. What What, what did actor. you want to do? You want to be an actor? Yeah. Yeah. But um, the really annoying thing is just after we left, just after I finished school, a couple of years after I finished school... Um, Drama became an HSC subject, you know, and I would have got an yeah. A in that for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I was when I was doing it, it was extracurricular, you know, it was all yeah. like, um, which is so annoying because I would have, you know, and I would have got my school colours and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, but I, I did, I did enjoy, and that's where I first started performing. Was you know doing a play at school. Yeah. Suddenly going, oh, this is great! I love this. So
1: and, when you finished school, where did you go?
0: Um, to hell. Straight to hell. Uh, uh, what did I do? I took a year out and kind of just hung around in Melbourne and yeah. Perth, you know, with friends and just, you know, you know got odd jobs and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, experimented with things um, and then star- then studied a little bit. Um, doing what? To, doing, doing actoring and that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actoring at NIDA, at the National Institute off of Dramatic Arts. And I did that. I was studying with um, Basil Lerman. We were in the same year, and we've had really similar careers ever since then. Um, and uh, but that was that was pretty good. And um, although I ended up getting thrown out, or not really thrown out, I just wasn't asked to come back. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was primarily because of taking drugs. I took them a lot.
1: So who who influenced you to start taking like start experimenting with that, or was it just kind of what you were doing at the time? Or was, it was all your friends started, were doing it.
0: No, it wasn't like not all my friends. I mean, <clears throat> most of my friends, you know, initially weren't doing that. Um, I had a girlfriend who was doing it, and and I guess I was just up for that. And you know, I was I was up for experimenting with just about anything. And, yeah. Um, when I found out she was doing that, I sort of thought, oh, how romantic and groovy is that? Yeah, so, yeah. So I got into that. Um, and, you know, ironically, the one thing was she was so into it, we were like, she's going to die of it or just keep doing it forever and ever and ever. And then the really weird thing was a couple of years later, she stopped and never did it again. And I kept going for like, you know, 30 years. So yeah. it was really kind of surprising to me at the time.
1: You were very on and off with it though, like, oh. you know, the addiction to that. But what, what, what kind of always drew you back to it? Yeah. Um, we're talking about heroin as well and, and yeah. other drugs as well? or just- Oh, yeah, so, yeah but, yeah, but yeah.
0: heroin was the only one that yeah. was really, you know, had an addiction to I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did keep drawing me back to it? Um,
1: Were you unhappy? Was there, you know, was
0: oh, there? Oh, really? No, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it was that. And, I mean, it just, one thing that is often overlooked with that drug, I think, is that it feels good. It just feels mm. really good. And so, you know, a lot of people don't think about that when they think about why people use Mm. drugs and one reason is because it's an incredible and has been for you know millions or thousands of years a um a painkiller you know emotional spiritual physical pain you know it all goes so you know and some people said to me that you know my childhood and all that kind of stuff that would have been one of the reasons that i used and i I never thought of it that way but maybe it was you know maybe Maybe that stuff was really painful and using just blocked it out. So you yeah. don't have to think
1: about it. A lot of people know you as a comedian. Are you uncomfortable with people knowing you as the... I mean, you know, you are a legend in comedy. And, I mean, you were kind of one of the first people who really made... You influenced a lot of people. I remember certain times me bringing uh. up that you're a comedian and sometimes you <laughs> have felt very uncomfortable. Uh. And, and, like, writer more or author more. Oh, or actor yeah. More. Look,
0: I suppose, you know... Suppose I always, you know, wanted people to, to know of me as as not just a comedian, you right? Know? I wanted to be known as other things, you know, like yeah, like an actor and a writer and stuff like that. But um, look, you know, I, I should be lucky to be called anything, <laughs>
1: to be remembered at all. Does comedy come easy to you? Did it when you started?
0: Yeah, I think it did when I started. I don't know that it does. It's funny because I kind of stopped. You know, with COVID and everything, yeah, and because it had stopped for a while anyway, I sort of thought, I'm not just gonna, I'm going to keep doing. And then, obviously, and you know, I'd done a couple of plays and written a couple of plays, and then I was writing a film, which I've just, just recent, very recently finished. And I kind of thought, I'm going to stop doing stand up, you know, altogether. But then, more recently, I've, I've really missed it, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing it again. You know, going around and doing. You know, doing some of the rooms and yeah. even open mic rooms, I'm going to go and do because yeah. one thing I don't want to do is go doing my old material. So I'm going to try, you know, start start again, you know, yeah. start writing some new stuff and going on and going, oh. yeah. So anyway, you know, and that's why they called him Dogface. <laughs> oh, I guess you had to be there. Tough room. Hell, tough room. All right.
1: when you were acting so you were had a few few random jobs at the time and and so acting was the passion yeah how did stand-up start for you
0: uh kind of connected to acting I was doing uh I started doing theater sports with some people I'd been at NIDA with yeah and uh and you know, that came really easily to me. And it's funny because one of the things, one of the problems I had at NIDA was I couldn't improvise. I was really like, you know, they'd say be a tree or whatever. And I'd be like, why? You know, why do you want me to do that? You know, what do you mean be a chair? What's I'm never going to get cast as a chair? Why? You,
1: were, do you, you weren't doing the yes and you're doing the no but. Yeah, no yeah, but. No
0: it's a good game. Yeah. yeah but, no but. Short and, game. And <laughs> short game's a good game. Um, so. And weirdly, when we started doing theatre sports, it came really easily to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I love this. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and we won. We won the Victorian Championship and stuff. And uh, it was really popular. We were getting, like, filling up the concert hall for the finals. It was, like, 3,000 people or something. It was amazing. And um, But, yeah, through that, I met all these comedians, you know, like Tim Smith and um, Anthony Morgan and Andrew Gooden and... Andrew so Bailey, who ran Rooms.
1: So they were doing it before you even had...
0: They were doing Broadway. they theatre sports before me. Yeah, yeah, right. And then I started doing it. And then they all said, when when I started doing theatre sports and I was hanging around with them, they were like, oh, you should do stand-up. And I was like, no way. I would rather blow my own head off yeah. than do stand-up. Yeah. And I could think of nothing worse. And they kind of tricked me into doing it. They kind of tricked me into doing a, an open mic spot. And so I had to do it, and I did it, and it came, it was like, it wasn't, you know, the greatest open mics whatever ever done, but it went really well, and yeah. it wasn't very hard, and I thought, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then I did another one, and that went really well, and I just kept going, you um, know, and and also very soon, like, within about, I think, the second gig or so, I got paid, it was only like 40 bucks or something, but. I suddenly went, oh, this is amazing! Like yeah. I don't have to be a, I don't have to work as a waiter anymore or a barman or whatever I was doing, a dishwasher, and yeah. You know. So, yeah, I just started doing that and getting, um, getting some sweet coin for, for telling El Jokerama. And in fact, my flatmate and I both did it for the first time on that night. He was a VCA graduate, you know, he's an actor as well. So we both started on the same night, and he never did it again. <laughs> And I just I never stopped.
1: Yeah. When did you start to earn serious money doing it? Was that commercial radio?
0: Um, I suppose. Although you know, I was making money, you know, livable yeah. money off stand up. Yeah. You know, before commercial radio, so you know, I was making a living off stand up. You know, we were early on. You know, we were we were working like five nights a week doing stand up and you know getting, you know, it depends. you we are getting a couple hundred bucks a night. And, you know, yeah, so it was pretty good
1: Do you miss those days of
0: I kind uh, of do You know Yeah Um. But I'm not saying I wouldn't You know I want to go back to those days But you know They were pretty fun Yeah
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: When uh, When you got the offer To be on Breakfast Radio That mm-hmm. Was that a big game changer <laughs> for you
0: Oh yeah Absolutely I mean you know And and uh, I started The same year as Like Husey Yeah Started So you know If I'd if I'd not taken so many drugs and paid more attention and and been you know somehow been able to handle the soul destroying nature of the work, um, I could have made millions and millions of dollars from it. You know, but as it is, I only did it for a year and a half, and I still made a lot of money, but I spent it all. But um, you know, I only did it for a year and a half, and then it was sort of over. But you know, had I stuck at it, you know, I could have bought houses and done all, all that yeah. kind of stuff.
1: Was it was it a rough a rough time doing breakfast radio because you were you took over from was it Peter Moon? Yeah. with Wendy Harmer. Yeah,
0: yeah I did. I took over from Peter Moon, who was really popular. Yeah, Wendy, yeah. Wendy Wendy kind of got rid of him. You know, she kind yep. of lined him up for the axe, and then they got me in, and then pretty much straight away they started asking me to do all the stuff that Peter Moon used to do, like you know, funny Indian voices and stuff, and I was like. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And also, why did you get rid of the guy who was really good at yeah. doing that? You know? <laughs> that did it. Yeah. So that was really strange. Um, uh, but yeah, I should have, um, I should have just embraced it, and you know, done it. Even if I'd only done it for five years, I would have made enough money to buy a house. You know, yeah. And
1: add yeah. More. Yeah. When was the first time that you went over to
0: Edinburgh? The first time I went to Edinburgh was 1990. So that was before, well before radio. And uh, I'd already been in Neighbours. I'd already killed Daphne. So that was a great publicity thing in, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. the UK. So you are really Neighbours. known for, yeah. for Neighbours? Yeah, well, in the UK, yeah, because Neighbours was huge. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, so, yeah, 1990 I went with um, The Empty Pockets, Matt and Matt, and we did a show and we, we went really well. Yeah. And then we didn't go back. And then in about 1995... I do a show called Tie Dye by myself, and someone recommended that I go to Edinburgh. And I won an award. I won what you know the equivalent of what became the Barry Award in Melbourne. Yeah. So I got I had all this money. I had like eight grand or something. So, you know, I could get airfare and all that sort of stuff for Edinburgh. Yeah. And um, so I did, and then that went really well. So then I started doing Edinburgh regularly for a few years. Um. And then there was one year, I think it was like the fourth year in, I had a job at the Melbourne Theatre Company doing um, doing a Shakespeare play. And so I had to decide whether I was going to do that or go to Edinburgh. And I thought, look, I didn't really have a show for Edinburgh. wasn't you know, I hadn't written anything great. So I stayed here. And then the weird thing was, I found later, was that once you miss a year in those things. It throws everything out. You've always got to start again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh. So I then, you know, did another, you know, went back a couple more times and still had a great time and, you know, met great friends and, you know, met people over in the UK and did, went back to the UK and did tours of stand-up and things. But, yeah. You know, but made really good friends with, like, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and yeah, Michael Smiley and Stuart Lee and, you know, all these great comics and, uh, Yeah, so you know it was it was pretty pretty amazing.
1: Well, Stuart Lee said you know that you're one of the best comedians in the world, like you know, and And he's right about everything all
0: (laughs) the time. All the time. Was
1: Was it hard battling addiction like you had then, and working? Like were other people in the same boat as you at the time?
0: No, (laughs) no (laughs) No one else wanted to play that game. Um, No, look, there must have been people who were, but I didn't necessarily know them. Um, There wasn't really. You know I didn't really ever meet another heroin addict in comedy yeah um I mean in and around comedy yes like actors and people who worked in you know behind the scenes in comedy yeah. sometimes, but not not stand-ups but uh, it was difficult um, you know and you know but it was totally my my doing but you know that it was it was the reason that you know I could have had you know a massive career in the UK and stuff like that but you know I got I almost died in Ireland. I had a near fatal overdose and had to go to hospital, and you know, the kind of, kind of put paid to my uh, my exhibit my my international career.
1: Did you stop doing it after that?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'd stopped then. You know, I stopped yeah. and then started again, and you know, yeah, that's when I overdosed. Yeah, I hadn't done it for a long time, but um, no, I did then stop again, and then you know, started again and stopped again, and um. And it wasn't until, you know, really a couple of years ago that I stopped just totally on my own, you know, I wasn't being told to stop, I wasn't, you know, I just did. Yeah. And, you know, I I just got sick of it, I think, you know, it wasn't any dramatic reasons or anything like that. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was good because, you know, I kept finding I'd stop and then, you know, I'd get my life together, and I'd start doing well, and my career would start going well, and then I'd get a really great relationship.
2: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Yeah, then, yeah. You know, but then I'd start again and, you know, it'd ruin the relationships and you'd be lying to people and, you know, it's just it's just bad already. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame because... You know, it's a nice feeling, but it, you can't really justify the old hero. Yeah, yeah. The old heroine.
1: Is it hard hearing stories about you, oh. you know, that you know aren't true? or
2: Oh, you know, yeah, the
0: ones I know aren't true. That's hideous. Yeah. but um, It's, you know, it's also hard hearing ones that are true, you know, but for the ones that aren't, that's really that's really shit-ass, you know, when you hear stories about yourself that you know for a fact never happened. And it's just people needing something to talk about. People, you know, there's a lot of... A lot of gossipy people in comedy and a lot of, you know, small-minded kind of gossipy, you know, they don't have anything better to do than Mm. talk about someone else's life. And, you know, like I'm sure I've I've done some shitty things to people. I know I have. And uh, I I take full responsibility for it. But there are other things that I know just never happened that I hear, you know, I hear from people and I think, God, where did that come from? Why did – and why did someone have to make that up? There's enough real stuff out there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. True Greg Fleet stories to not have to make up, you know. Yeah,
1: like that. yeah. When uh, when a lot of people say that they meet someone's parents, they go, you know, that person suddenly makes sense and everything about them, you go, oh, yeah, that's a combination of two people. Do you think, like, you're like your mum or your dad?
0: No. No? No. I mean, some of the ways that I used to argue and still occasionally find myself doing it, I'd fight with people. It's very much like my mother and it's really yeah. shit out. So it's really bad. It's a bad way to treat people and I... I just I find myself doing it, you know, just because that's how I grew up, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, but no, you know, there was never any. Certainly, with the addiction thing, there was no, there was none of that in my family. Yeah. You know, there was no one was an alcoholic or a, a drug addict or a, you know, anything like that, or you know, like a shopaholic or a thief or anything. No. Yeah, yeah. I brought that all to the family. <laughs> But, you know? But meeting you was, you know, meeting new people was always a lifesaver, you know,
2: for me. Yeah, you
0: know, but you know, even with you, you know, like as you know, my using, you know, when I wasn't doing it, you and I would do great work and we'd have great fun and yeah, stuff. And then you know, the using would come back into it, and I'd be lying and saying I'm not using. Yeah, you know, take you know, hitting you up for heaps of money, and it was just you know. It's embarrassing in the end, and you know, horrible for you and horrible for me. It was just no good.
1: Well, it's just you know me having to pull myself away because you know I think, and that's the you know that that's the hard bit is you know because yeah. you know I guess um I guess we did you know do a lot together and had a great time and everything and then you know all of a sudden the addiction comes back and then you kind of have to pull yourself away and
0: which all, oh, which doggy dogs oh. knocking over the table super dogs knocking <laughs> super over dog. the table <laughs> um I better pull the yeah pull the snow down on top of that dog before it leaves. It it's really mine. Is.
1: It really thinks it's a lot smaller than it is. <laughs> yeah, Missy Higgins right. thinks that he's tiny. Doesn't well, he's really
0: get a, it. He's got a girl pop star's <laughs> name That's so, right. and a Geelong Grammarian's name. <laughs> That's right. She went to Geelong, did she? Yep. Oh wow. Okay. This is huge. Um. Uh. Yeah. So the the, the using you know gets it gets in the way of of uh you know so many things and you know we um yeah it's it's you know I feel I feel eternally guilty for, you know, letting that interfere with our friendship. But, you know, we'll we'll come back at it. And yeah, and yeah, survive. absolutely. We'll survive. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, what was it like when you became a dad? What
0: was it like? Yeah. Um, Did you want to be a dad? No, nah, I fucking still don't. I hate the kid. <laughs> she's revolting. She's got to go. Um, Not true. Um, no, she's fantastic. Uh, well, to be honest, it wasn't like a burning ambition of mine to be yeah. a father. But I, I think, I don't know, and i hope this doesn't come across as sounding uh misogynist but i think often those things can be driven by the a woman you know like and so my partner just you know i think she got pregnant and then we there, we had a miscarriage and then i think after that we deliberately got pregnant again yeah and you know but i was kind of you know had she said to me you know after the miscarriage and i don't ever want to get Pregnant again. That was you know. I would have been fine with it, you know. Yeah. But, um, but no, we you know. So she she did get pregnant again, and look, it was fantastic. You know, it was absolutely fantastic. It might not have been something I would have gone out of my way to do, but once we'd done it, it was of course I was like, you know, aren't you glad I decided to do this?
1: Yeah. When you met the brother that you didn't know about, did you <laughs> yeah. did you kind of start to think the same? Were you like, I want to be a dad that my dad wasn't?
0: Well, kind of. Um. But you know, yet again, the uh, the drugs interfered a lot with, with that whole situation, and um, you know, I I did a lot of things that I'm ashamed of, you know, in her life that you know she was embarrassed about, or you know, that kind of thing. You shouldn't have to read about your parents, you know, drug problems in the old yeah. son. and uh, but you know, fortunately, we've come around, you know, we've come full circle and. You know, we get along brilliantly now, and all that yeah, shit, which is you know, I'm eternally grateful to her and to the universe that, that you know she didn't just decide to dump me and you know not have anything to do with me.
2: Yeah, yeah. there
0: was a point where she said, "I can't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I can't be around you." And yeah, that freaked me. That's probably one of the reasons I stopped. <laughs> it's because my daughter, you know, yeah, sort of said, "I'm, you know, choose."
1: do your family did they ever come and see you perform? Like did, were they were they enjoying what you were doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and they still occasionally do, you know, um, my sisters. But uh no, they were they were good. My mother used to come and see me occasionally and you know, but then, you know, that was embarrassing. She's such a she's such a defender of me, you know, like all the way through school when I'd get in yeah. trouble, she'd go out to the school and go, No, he's great, you know, da da like just you know, go a bit too hard on oh, the Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I remember at this one comedy gig she came to in Perth, I'm doing doing a gig and somebody in the audience was yelling out, you know, like, oh, you fucking, you know, do you get her? And she, out of the blue, I hear this American accent lady just going, shut up, he's fantastic, what would you even know? And she's like, she's doing the comebacks at some of you who's going. Everything. Yeah. And the, another show I did where Anthony Morgan and I were in this show together. And there was this one bit where he would turn on me and just and call me loathsome fleet and talk about how disgusting I was and everything. And she, forgetting that it was theatre, just ripped into Morgan halfway through the show. Wow. And you know, she's going, well, you know, well, you do you know, you don't, you, you know why, why are you being like that? You know, have you been working with him and stuff? And I'm like, oh, And don't work with my son if you don't care. want to work with my son. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, well, I think that was a bit much of him doing that to you. And I said, Mum, it's theatre. And she said, oh, I don't care. It's like, you know. She, That's she's so funny. Yeah, refused. so supportive. Yeah, too supportive.
1: <laughs> I've got standard questions I ask on this podcast. So oh. the first one is: What trait in people do you find the most admirable? Who are you drawn to in in meeting new people?
0: Um, I guess a creative mind. You know, like creative video. If I find. Creativity and kindness.
2: Yeah.
0: I really, I really am attracted to kindness. and uh, But also, yeah, creativity. Those two are the, the two things that I think probably come up.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you could choose to be born into an environment, what would that look like? Do you think that the environment that you were born into kind of made you who you are?
0: Um, I would, if I could choose, I'd choose a fish tank.
1: You were raised in a fish, um, a fish I, tank. I would
0: choose to be. Um, no, uh, the environment for my, what would my, the environment be? I guess if I could tr- totally choose, um, insanely wealthy. Yeah, you know, right. I, I, I've known a lot of incredibly wealthy people through going to the school that I went to. And we were originally, like we had a very weird upbringing thing because we had a lot of money initially because my father was with Ford and they paid for everything we did and cars and overseas holidays and all that sort of stuff. And then, so when he left, we went from being really rich to being quite poor. And that that was a brutal. With your mum working a couple of jobs and trying to support you. It was a hard, hard thing to deal with. And I was actually, this is a really difficult thing to admit to. I was ashamed of my mother for not being richer, which is terrible. You know, but, um, because no.
1: you, I guess that's your environment at the time. Yeah. Like every other kid around, and has everyone lots else of money had, and, Yeah. You
0: know, where's my pony? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But um, so yeah, if I could, if I could, you know, do anything, I would say because, you know, having a lot of money and having all the other things that I had as well, you know, so having a nice sister and nice you know, sisters and nice mother and stuff like that, but you know, having a few million wouldn't hurt. <laughs>
1: What's your favorite thing about yourself
0: um, probably that I when it comes to creativity and uh, the art and stuff like that I don't have any sense of of uh, an ending like I don't I don't have any sense that I'm capable of doing just so much and then beyond that, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Like it's, to me it's a, um, it's open-ended, you know, like I can, I, I feel like I can keep creating and keep doing things, you know, non-stop. And, yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love doing, I mean, I'm writing that, writing the, this play at the moment based on A Star Is Born, but it, it all takes place in the world of comedy instead of film or music and it's just proving to be so much fun to write.
1: Yeah. yeah. What's something about yourself you change?
0: Like go back in time. Yeah. Probably, probably the drug use. I mean, I I kind of feel like I would still want to do it, but not. But you know, but just but stop. You know, like know when to stop. Do it a couple of times and go. Okay, I I understand that now. And yeah but you know not get so lost in it that you know it, it um it takes over for everything else
1: yeah. yeah i'd also like to point out that that was your phone going off that wasn't a sound effect that i put in when you started talking about um drug use.
0: oh i thought you were, God, it was the drug train <laughs> you'd would called up the drug <laughs> train, the drug train.
1: <laughs> uh, why why would you still want to do it that goes again That's drug train <laughs> um
0: uh just to know, just to know mm.
2: what it felt
0: like, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Why, you know, why, you know, why do I, why wouldn't I just say, you know, just I just, just cut it? Ad- yeah. Because you know? yeah. I think, I, you know, I'd still, one of the reasons I took it in the first place was I wanted to know what everything felt like, you know. Growing yeah. Up, you know, and approaching life, I wanted to try everything. I wanted to, you know, uh, sample was it taste all poisons? Was there, there's a quote? Um, yeah, but just try. You know, yeah, I wouldn't want to not know what it was like, but yeah. I just wouldn't want to, you know, to rule my life like it
2: did. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: who
1: influenced you the most?
0: Um, like.
1: That can be career, it can be yeah. personally, it can be whatever, whatever. And do you
0: mean people that I know or just, or you know, history, you know, figures in well, history? Well, people or? that you know, probably no, more, okay. yeah. Right.
1: Um, you can say, I mean, you can say in history, if Mother Teresa was spring to mind.
0: Yeah, Mother Teresa probably. Although, no. Um, who... See, yeah, it would probably be people that I know in, in comedy and stuff like that.
1: Because uh, you started with, like, you know, Matt King and Marty gold and Tim Smith and Anthony Morgan.
0: Yeah. And out of those people back then, probably Anthony Morgan, you know, would have had a big influence on me. And uh, also um, Mark Little was a guy who... You probably never even saw, but he was. he moved to England. But he was sorry about my phone going off like that. He was, um, he was a very influential guy, but uh, a lot of them, you know, were actors, you know, like uh, you know, big Hollywood actors, I guess, you know, like De Niro. I remember Benny Mendelssohn and I used to, you know, we were obsessed with De Niro and Al Pacino and Robert Duval, and, you know, a lot of people like that. Yeah, those kind of. You know, and even that that kind of Paul Newman era of actors, yeah. that sort of seventies seventies actors. You know, in the eighties, it was um,
2: yeah, a lot of influence by those those people
0: and uh, and directors from that period as well. But yeah, I'd say that that would be, you know, um, but you know, then there's there's also, you know, people that I, Aung San Su Chi, which sounds weird, which is the Burmese. Independence leader, she had a big influence on my life because I ended up at one stage. That's what the whole tie dye book is about. I ended up accidentally, accidentally going to Burma and uh, you know, got influenced by her a lot over there. But um, even people like Judith Lucy, who you know was a friend and a contemporary, but you know just uh, very much loved what she did and mm. what she does. And so, yeah. Mm.
1: Who do you choose to surround yourself with now? And has that changed over time?
0: Well, funnily, you know, lately, and I don't. I think it's been sort of since COVID. I haven't really surrounded myself with anyone. Mm. I've spent a lot of time alone. Um, Do you like being alone? I don't know. I mean, I don't hate it. Mm. You know, I haven't minded doing it. Um, but um, I. I guess I I surround myself at the moment with with my uh, my partner, even though she's in Sydney. She Lives in Sydney, but um, you know, we talk you know daily on the phone and we've been writing a film script together and stuff, so you know, and I, I very much admire her and, and what she's capable of. She's a, a filmmaker, and, yeah, uh, so you know, I very much like her and like you know what she can do, yeah. So, um, I guess generally I'd surround myself with people. There was a period where, you know, it was it was always separate because there was – I'd either surround myself with drug-taking people and that sort of – that drug world or work world and, you know, um, comedy and acting. Yeah. So it was back and forth, these radical shifts from, you know, one to the other. But um, more recently, the people I tend to surround myself with are people who I find inspiring with work. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones that I, you know, I really want to – because really I've only got – Probably, ten, ten you know, years of really creative time left.
1: You know? uh, I was this morning uh, had an interview um, for this podcast with Stephen Topolowski who has just turned seventy-one. Wow! And has just stopped. You know, has just kind of gone. I don't really want to act anymore at seventy-one, and he's kind of just going because he's found you know loves his loves his grand grandchildren now. Right? You know, right. has found that. Do you do you think you would ever be able to stop working?
0: Um, no, because I don't really, I I don't really think of it as a job, you know, I mean, it is, but I don't think of it as hard work, you know, it's, it's so satisfying. Who's Stephen, what's his name? Stephen Tobolowsky. He,
1: um, is in Groundhog Day, he's, uh, Ned Ryerson in Groundhog Day and... Um, he's an actor. You would know he's in a lot in glee. He's in a lot of oh, space. He's American. Balls. American guy. Yeah. How did
0: you get talking
1: to him? Um, he, um, I'm not going to talk to you my the f- full booking process on the book. Yeah. He, um, oh, he's, he's been on my other podcast a bit. I, um, contacted his manager years ago and he's has been great on, at that. You're yeah. At he's, he's, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's been on the podcast a lot. And then I asked him to this new one just cause he, he's one of the greatest talkers.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. That's
0: wonderful. Um, well, yeah, uh, no, I, I don't really think of, you know, this kind of stuff and, you know, like, say, writing films and things like that. I don't really think of it as work. You know? Yeah. I, and, and even acting and, you know, and stand-up and stuff. I, uh, I just think of it as, as, you know, as joyful. You know, where stand-up, you know, where it became a bit dark and gloomy for me and one of the reasons I think I wanted to stop when I did was, you know, when I was p- pretty much doing it so I could afford drugs. Yeah. So, you know, I was doing... Doing a lot of you know gigs I shouldn't even really do, and you know, just for the hundred bucks or whatever. I yeah. Could get, you know? Well, I
1: remember when I met you, you know, a lot of the time hanging out with you would be eighty percent you trying to find that next hit. Sort of being yeah. so we go to one bar yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get the payment up front for the gig tomorrow, yeah. and then you know, you know, and it, it just seemed like such a stressful existence oh, to
0: time, wake time, up every
1: day trying to find that hit.
0: Yeah, it was time consuming. That see that
1: that's I found it easy just to give you money so I could actually yeah. hang out.
0: Well, that was hard work, you know, that was, yeah. that was, you know, whereas actual work work isn't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's a common misconception
0: about you? Um, I think that I'm, I think there's a kind of a bit of a misconception that I'm misogynist.
1: There, so there's something that you're talking about in particular that uh, there was something online, wasn't there? Yeah, where yeah, you I were, got into, got into an a argument, fight. Yeah, yeah. You 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 can be very fighty online and very yeah, punchy, no, which is so stupid, weird yeah. and not you. I know. I see it and I go, oh, for fuck's sake, Fleety! Like,
0: yeah. you know, there's certain I'll things people. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but that was really it was a mistake. You know, just just getting into that, but I think that's you know that that would be that's one that really hurts when I hear if I hear people say that. Yeah, like yeah. when we were doing the twins. There was a quite a well-known newsreader who Ian Darling knows her because he knows a lot of people. Cause yeah, he's a philanthropist and everything. And she said to him, "Oh, Greg Fleet, oh, isn't he that you know misogynist guy?" And she'd never met me; she didn't, didn't know anything about me. And um, then we did meet, and she was like, she, "You know," she said to him later. She said, "Oh, you're absolutely right. He's lovely. He's not you know misogynist. Yeah, at all. yeah. But it, it just it's amazing how those things can stick." Mm. You know, and and they're really damaging. I mean, you know, if if you wanted to wreck someone's life, like one of the things, like this is a weird story, but I knew a guy who somebody said to me once, um, I think he's a child, he's into child, like into kiddie porn. Right. About this guy that we knew. Now, I never had any proof or any other indication that he was into it other than that one person saying to me once, I reckon he is. And for the rest of time, even now, if I see that guy, it's the first thing that crosses my mind. Right, yeah. And... I've never, there's no reason for me to think that, you know. But it's amazing how you can, you know, you just bring up little things that they can, they stick, you know.
1: Well, there's a book called uh, Mr. Peabody's Apples. I don't know if you've, you've heard of it, but it's actually oh. written by Madonna. Oh, right. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fable about a guy, a teacher called Mr. Peabody, and every day he walks past a fruit shop and he grabs an apple when he's walking by and a kid sees him not paying for it and goes and tells everybody. So that rumour gets out. He hasn't paid for it and he goes to the kid and he says oh, I I actually pay at the end of my week I take an apple every day and the end of the week I go back and I you know give that give that money and I pay for everything for the week the kid didn't know that he says sorry and he <coughs> says um, come and meet me on the top of the hill and so they go up on a hill and he hands him a he hands him a pillowcase and he says um, hold that he goes sure. He doesn't know what it's about. And then he goes, open up the pillowcase. And he goes, but it's got all these feathers in it. And the feathers are just going to fly out with the wind. And he says, exactly. And so he, the feathers go everywhere. And he says, now go and pick all of those up. And he goes, I'll, I'll never be able to pick all of those up. And he goes, yeah, well, that's what rumours are. You'll never, ever be able to undo it exactly. Yes. Yes. And it is interesting that that you can yeah. hear a rumour about someone and then it's always yeah. in your mind. It's always better to meet people yourself and then...
0: yeah. Absolutely. Do you always
1: think that? Do you, do you sometimes see people and go, like you were talking about before, do you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I'd find myself doing it, you know, and, and I, you know, it's something that I would much prefer people didn't do. Yeah. But I do it, you know, I do it as well as yeah. anyone, you know, it's like, it's so easy to, um, to just fall into that, you know, into believing things about people. You, you don't know, you don't, you no proof. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, somebody mentions it. Yeah. Uh,
1: when are you your happiest?
0: uh I think one of my happiest is when I'm with someone that I'm in love with or you know yeah and um, and some work that we've done is being like praised and you know properly you know respected like for example, my partner and I've just written this film have that film, you know, gets gets made and and is you know she may in fact even direct it, but if it gets made and people love it and it goes really well and everything, that would be I'd be at my happiest because I'd be with her, yeah, and with the work, yeah. So it'd be like you know, love and work and joy; those three things mixed together. Yeah, just add water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when it when you're your lowest,
0: um, when when I feel that I can't, my work is being, for whatever reason, dismissed or not yeah. encouraged and um, and also I'm lonely. So, you know, the exact opposite of what I said is my positive. So yeah, when I'm alone and my work, for whatever reason, is not being well regarded, Yeah. Whereas, you know, when I'm at my happiest is when I'm not alone and the work is being loved.
1: Yeah. Uh, If you could pinpoint a moment in your life that you think had the greatest impact or influence on you, what would that be? (sighs) Um,
0: Possibly, I just remember this one moment in Edinburgh where we'd been asked, we were doing a sketch show and there was this huge gala that was on every year. They don't have it anymore unfortunately but it was on every year and it was was an AIDS benefit, it was a big fundraising thing for AIDS and um, there were, you know, the people that were on the bill and the people that ran it were just, you know, like, Huge, like Stephen Fry was the MC and stuff like that. You know, so we got asked to do because we had this one sketch in our show that was by far the best sketch, and it was really yeah. stood out. And it was a really good, it was a great thing to do if you had to go publicise your show. You just do that sketch somewhere and it'd be like, wow, yeah, know. yeah. But um, so somehow those people found out about it and they said, would you like to come on our gala and do? And we thought, do that sketch? And they went, yeah. So we were like, sure. So we went and did it, and you know, there was. Just the people that were on were unbelievable, you know, the names of, you know, Billy Connolly and, you know, just huge, huge people. And when we were doing, when we started doing the sketch, the first laugh sort of comes about, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds into it. You know, before that it's just information. So it's like blah, 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 blah. Bang! It was a huge laugh, and that we always knew when it was coming. And the, when in that gala thing we were doing, uh, there was like three thousand people in this theatre in Edinburgh. And the first laugh that we got was so intense that I actually took a step backwards because it hit me physically, hit me. You know, like this this wall of noise. You know, yeah. And I actually took a step backwards, like a wave. It hit me, and for some reason that moment it was like my life changed in that moment you know and i realized that you know doing comedy and performance you know and drama and anything you know there's that it's such an amazing feeling when it goes that well yeah yeah i thought that's out there now forever that's always going to be you know i can always go for that yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, that moment was a I mean obviously you, know, you could say my father, you know, leaving had an impact and stuff. Yeah. But, but that for some reason was, you know, just amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. what's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through and would you change it?
0: I'm just banging my head with this plastic thing. It's weird. Um and it was weird. Uh <laughs> That's why he's not the hardest it. thing I've ever had to do um,
1: you've been through, yeah. Um, well, the
0: hardest thing. I was going to say, you know, the death of friends or family, but it's probably not that. Um, possibly. Possibly the end of relationships. Certain certain relationships ending. Yeah. Um, actually, as much as I saw it coming, and I could have done things to to change it, um, me getting thrown out of Nida was uh, a really it was a bad thing to happen, and when it. While it was happening, I was really aware of it. I was thinking, "This is not good. You know, this is. He really should have handled this better, and you know, right. should have stuck it out. And um, you know, my life would have been considerably different. I think. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have been Baz Luhrmann, but I, you know, could easily have had an international career on the back of that. Is that a
1: regret? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like to say it isn't. Do you ever it get jealous like, of other people's success?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes people, people I know. You know yeah. Like, like you know Mendo. Um. Because
1: you live with Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. 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 In very small
0: it, You know, I sometimes get you know jealous of you know like Mendo, like Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. You know, and yet, well, not necessarily with Mendo. Mendo's you know just on pure talent because he was kind of as badly behaved as I was, but um, with Simon and Nick and people like that. Stuart, they, you know, they, they worked hard. You know, they did all the things you mentioned that I wasn't doing. Right, I should have done if I wanted those things. But yeah. So yeah, I do did get jealous. I mean, not not jealous to the point where I wish that they wouldn't have the success. It's more like I wish that I would have it as well. Yeah. But you know, then again, I wasn't ready to do the work.
1: Was that what you'd say would be a big big regret?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think so. That I that I didn't, you know, just I didn't choose to, you know, put down the drugs and work a bit harder and, you know, yeah. get, it, get it together.
1: Was it because, I guess, it, I guess all the comedy stuff and everything kind of came easy to you? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, and so I just assumed it would all just keep coming easy, you
1: know. Yeah. Uh, what drives you now every day? What What motivates you?
0: Me chauffeur. <laughs> he drives me every day. You know what I mean?
1: You know, I like an like accent. A car. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Very like good. A, like an accent, <laughs> eh? <laughs> like an
0: accent. It's my American accent that I do. <laughs> Famous. Uh, <laughs> so famous. I know, it's a famous American accent. Uh, <laughs> what drives me is the, 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 the desire to be admired.
1: Do you still, do you still have that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I want, what drives me is, is you know, I want, um, yeah, I want to do, I want to create more things, you know, more things that people go, my God, that's so good. That's what I want. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping they'll do that with this film and, yeah and, and you know, ideally i'd like to do you know to write and make say three or four great films or television series or whatever before i die then i'd be quite happy with that I
2: reckon. yeah
1: yeah uh what have you got that coming up that you kind of want people to go and see or you know is the book these things happen or you know what would you like people to take from this um well
0: i'm Going to do uh, in Adelaide, I'm about to do "A Star Is Torn," which is the the version of "A Star Is Born."
1: Is it about so, you? Is it about your career?
0: Well, no, not really, but it certainly there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, so that I'd love people to come and see that, and I'm also going to then work on turning that into a, a like four or six part TV series. Yeah. So that would be fantastic if that worked. Yeah, um, I think it you know would be great because being said in the world of comedy too, I know that world and I know comedians, so everyone could play themselves yeah. to a degree, other than the two leads, you know, yeah. everyone could just be themselves. Um, so I'd love people to see that, and I'd love for that to work. And also the film that I've just written with um, with Philippa Bateman, which is um, uh, the Good Son. Yeah, and I really hope that gets up. I think it. I think it will you know the one person we've shown it to in sydney um actually said that they loved it and that they were not used to stuff of that higher standard being. yeah so I'm, I'm really excited about that
1: yeah great well greg fleet thank you for joining me
0: thank you very much for having me and uh, um thanks for the, having such a, a, a very large fucked cat Uh, or dog as some people call them they do commonly call (laughs) them dog and uh, I'm off to do my my famous American accent with the president there he goes with the president of the United States
1: hello sir how are you doing and you said you weren't good at improv I know Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson, and you can follow me, sampeterson91, on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast, on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye.